the final installment of our chat with Aram Layton covering the MLB draft, covering where Kansas City is at this current moment and where they're heading in the future, as well as the upcoming trade deadline, all coming up on Locked On Royals. You are Locked On Royals, your daily Kansas City Royals podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. You mentioned it. The college season is back. We get more draft coverage, more draft rounds. Where do you think Dayton Moore goes at seven? And do you buy into any of these kind of rumors or just predictions that all of a sudden uh, coming rocker can fall in this draft to seven? I saw, I believe it was Baseball America predicted this. And I think that uh, it was either them or, or fan graphs that predicted that, that rocker could fall all the way to seven, which I think is absurd. I think that the rocker should be one or two in this draft. Where are you at with him? Is, is he sort of taking a dip? And then where are you at with the Royals in general at pick seven? Yeah, I really think there's a legitimate chance that Kumar rocker could fall to seven. And if that happens, you'd think, okay, no brainer take rocker. But at that point, you know, are you kind of wondering what are these other teams worried about with Kumar Rocker? I, I've heard that he could fall even further than that. And if you're the Royals, a team that's drafted a lot of college arms and college arms with two pitches and some command issues, do you want to add another one to the fold there? I know it's outrageous, right? Like, am I not taking Kumar Rocker at seven? There's a chance that the Royals may even pass on him. I really think they could do that. And again, it sounds outrageous, but when I look at, these drafts, and I look at the prospects so far, the high school guys have just been insane. The high school guys are ridiculous. And then I think there's a legitimate case Henry Davis, catcher from Louisville, goes number one. The, the, the offensive numbers he, he's put up are some of the best numbers we've seen put up from a catcher since Adley Rutschman, and he's got a rocket for an arm. He's a great defender. I think he goes one to the Pirates. And then you have these several shortstops from Khalil Watson, who's my favorite shortstop. Then you have Jordan Lawler, Marcelo Meyer. These are all high school guys that are going to go in the top six picks. So those are all picks that are going to lead to other players falling to them. And so Jack Leiter's going to go in the top five as well. So you're going to get a, I think you're going to get a shot at Kumar Rocker if you're the Royals. But what, what do you think the Royals want? Do they want an arm? Probably not. I think they go back and there's a few different bats they can go with there. I think they could go with one of the high school shortstops, maybe a Brady House. I know you think you have Bobby Wood Jr. there, and it doesn't really make sense. But I think for the Royals, you go best player available. Bobby Wood Jr. is already showing that he's closer to big league ready than uh, most guys who have been drafted that recently would be. So I think you go best player available as, and just see how it goes. You could go with a high school arm like Jackson Job, a guy that I really like. He's up to 99, crazy spin rates, nasty, nasty slider. That's a guy that I could really see the Royals going with. But if they go bat route, I wouldn't sleep on the idea of Harry Ford either. He's maybe the most athletic catcher I've ever seen and another high school guy. But what I like about it, and, and there's a big stigma around high school catchers, and understandably so, they have not panned out uh, in history. But Harry Ford is such a good athlete and such a good hitter that even if he doesn't work out behind the dish, he could play second. He could play the outfield. He could end up anywhere else. That's the guy, honestly, if I'm the Royals, I'm hoping Harry Ford falls to me at seven, and that's the guy I want. So there's a lot to unpack there, and we've got to have you back on as we get closer and closer to the draft because, as you mentioned, I've got to cover the NBA, the Royals. The draft kind of passes me by a bit, but number one, high school shortstop to me just screams athlete, so 
I wouldn't really, like you're saying, worry about his position right now. I think that if you can play a shortstop, you can pretty much play anywhere on the diamond for Absolutely. the most part to where if it did come to flourishing that Bobby Witt Jr. is the face of the franchise and he's the face of the franchise at shortstop. And then you, and then Mondesi hits his ceiling and he's this great guy that plays third or, or Witt plays third, whoever plays third, somebody's playing the corner infield. And then you get this house guy that's just going to be great too. That's a great problem to have. Let's worry that's about so that whenever they all actually do pan out. So I agree with you there that you take the best player available no, no matter his position. Uh, but what happened in the draft? Because when I did get to pay attention to, to, to the draft, I got to pay attention whenever it was lighter and rocker one or two. And the debate was between which one do you take one? Which one do you take two? What happened? How are they falling? Is this just a matter of fact of getting more sample size on them or getting more tape on other prospects? I think a little bit of both. I, I think lighter is, is still kind of performing at the level that it, we would expect him to. He had a little bit of a rough patch here and there, but he's mostly held his velocity and he's got, four solid pitches that give him a really good shot to be a legitimate frontline starting pitcher. And that's why I think Leiter, even though he doesn't have as much of the body as Kumar Rocker is going to go ahead of him. You also have the bloodlines and just that bulldog mentality that he has that, you know, was definitely instilled in him by his father. You got to love Leiter inside that top five. But I think what's happened too is some of these high school guys have just really shown to be unbelievably talented. And, We've seen in the past in, in recent history, these high school shortstops, even if they don't stick at shortstop, if you believe in the bat and they're good athletes, like you mentioned, they end up really being good pieces for you. And it, it, recent history has shown that that's been the case. My favorite guy in this entire draft is Khalil Watson, and I'm seeing him get a lot of helium shortstop left-handed hitter. And my goodness, is he explosive? I don't know if he's going to stick it short, but it doesn't really matter. So it's one of those things where I think you get that high school shortstop. You're getting a guy that has a great fallback plan at a lot of different spots. And look, look at the Tampa Bay Rays. I haven't mentioned them again, but they have Wander Franco, right? They have a bunch of other shortstops too, and they're not worried about it. Vidal Brujan's one of the best prospects in baseball. He's going to probably move to center field. They've got other guys that are moving all over, but their hit tool all plays. They all can hit, and I'm telling you, the, the Rays are going to start calling these guys up in droves and it's going to be scary. So I would say with Rocker specifically, the issue for him has been that he has shown major fluctuations in his velocity, which is not what you love to see for a guy that's kind of racked up a lot of miles on his arm in his Vanderbilt career. And then also doesn't really have that third pitch. So you have a little bit of concern about being able to develop a third pitch command issues to go with that. And look, I think Rocker, has the makings to be a superstar, but it does come with a little bit of reliever risk. You have all of these sky high ceiling high school guys and also Jack Leiter in the mix and Jackson Job, another high school arm that has a sky high ceiling. Uh, maybe you, you don't go with the guy that has as much risk as, as Kumar Rocker. And I, I would say that it's just been a culmination of these three little risks that all kind of add up to one kind of large question mark with Rocker that is enough to push teams out you know, on him in the, in the top 10 or top five, at least, but you never know a lot can change rocker shoves through the stretch here in the college world series and starts to show that he has that command again, a lot can change over the next few weeks. I want to tell you right now, but good friends over at sports trade, I've been talking a lot about sports trade lately. And if you haven't heard about it, it's where fantasy sports meets the stock market. It's no wonder this company is blowing up. The site is really amazing. I frankly cannot believe nobody has thought of this concept before as sports trade truly takes fantasy to the next level. Their platform allows you to buy and sell shares and 
with your favorite players and real stocks, and it allows you to uh, have a fair and super exciting way to cash in on your sports knowledge. And they just added baseball to the platform. Making money with sports trade is simple. Players' values will rise and fall on two factors. Number one, their performance in each game compared to their projected fancy points in that game. And the second one is very easy. It's supply and demand. The more shares that are purchased in said player, the higher their value goes. You can instantly buy and sell as many shares and as many players as you'd like. The stock market is just the same. Then watch your players battle it out and your portfolio rise with value. Simply go to sporttrade.com, watch the How It Works video, and sign up to get started. Sign up today at sporttrade.com and discover the fun and exciting and profitable new way of sports trading. This is truly the evolution of fantasy sports, and I really think you'll be amazed. Do not sit on the sidelines any longer. Get in on the action at sporttrade.com. So Andrew Benatendi shifting into like real life, what's happening in the moment at the major league level. Andrew Benatendi is on fire right now, and, and he has a, a 344 OBP, a 418 slugging, 762 OPS, 289 batting average, 29 home runs, six homers, and he's been on fire since May and June uh, after a, a slow start in April. Uh, he's only signed through next year. What do you make of Andrew Benatendi right now? Is this sustainable for him? Is he back to being what he was his first year in Boston? Uh, and personally, I want Kansas City to re-sign him. I think that he's going to be a good player for a long time, uh, but his play might price himself out of Kansas City. So do you think that he can net back a, a huge haul if he continues to play this way? Uh, and would you consider Kansas City as a huge winner in this trade, considering even if they must trade Benatendi because they can't re-sign him, the odds are they're going to get something back that's worth more value than Frenchie Cordero and Khalil Lee. Uh, yeah, absolutely. I think even if you ultimately go the trade route, um, you're going to come out with exactly what you said, more than Franchi Cordero, who's been a disaster for the Red Sox, and Khalil Lee, who with the Mets has, has not really done anything. Um, I, I still think Lee can be a solid fourth outfielder, but we're talking about Andrew Benatendi, who's been spectacular, especially over the last, what was 20 games where he's just been red hot. I think the Royals have to find a way to, to extend this guy. You gave up a little bit for him, right? You went out and tried to go get somebody. It wasn't for a one-year rental. I really don't think that was the plan. You may know better than me, but you can get a pretty good return for this guy. Don't get me wrong. But you said it yourself, right? You're looking at potentially competing next year. And I know the Royals don't have the deepest pockets in the world, but you have a lot of young talent coming up that's going to be cheap and controllable for the future. Your pitching is cheap and controllable. You're, you're probably, if you're the Royals, you're counting on a few of those guys to pan out. Brady Singer is going to be just fine. He had a great start his last time out. He, he, he's going to be fine. I wouldn't worry about him. Coar is going to settle in. You're going to have at least one of those lefties in Lynch and, uh, of course, Lacey pan out. I think easily both can, and maybe one goes to the bullpen. That's not the worst thing in the world. So you have a lot of young, controllable pieces, Melendez as well, that are all going to be cheap. You have a guy in Benatendi that, yes, he is playing really well, but at the end of the day, he's a corner outfielder that doesn't hit for a ton of power. And I think there's no place that's going to value him more than Kansas City. And I think Kansas City finds a way to work it out. I hope so. Yes, you could get a good return for him, but I think it doesn't really justify it if, if you're looking to compete next year. And there's a way that the Royals will be able to have a pretty cheap and controllable roster around him outside of Salvi. And I think they try to extend him. I, I don't know. You know the Royals better than me, but I don't think the return would be enough to, to justify it. You might be able to get maybe a team's top 10 prospect, maybe a fringe top 
100 prospect if he continues to hit at this rate. Uh, you could probably get a top 100 prospect if he continues to hit at this rate for a team that's really desperate for offense like the Yankees. I think the Yankees could give up a lot, which would be just so poetic if Ben Attendee ends up with the Yankees. But I, I just don't know if it's totally worth it for the Royals, as like you said, they're trying to compete. Yeah, I, I agree. I think that the Royals should absolutely pay him what he's worth and, and re-sign him. And this is going to be the first test of this new ownership group that's never gotten the chance uh, to pay somebody like Ben Attendee. So it's it's unfair uh, to to put that this ownership group and, and put the flaws of the last one onto them. Uh, so hopefully Benatendi is resigned and that he is back in Kansas city. And this is nothing to worry about, even though he's only under contract through next season. Uh, but anytime a market like this makes a trade for a guy who has that little of control, you have to wonder what happens after the following season. What's for sure to me is what we just talked about that you've won the trade. So, so no matter what the outcome is after next year, if it's a new contract or if it's a trade, You've done a great job just simply getting Benatendi and then rehabbing his value in one form or another via currency of a contract or currency of a prospect getting, uh, in return in this trade market. I think ultimately, though, this is a guy that you want to stake your claim to. And this is a guy who you do want to invest in. In Kansas City, like any other small market, has to be smart about this and they have to choose wisely. But just from the way that he plays the game, the way that he carries himself and the way that he uh, works and all the intangibles that he has mixed with the production that he has so far and the way that he plays in this ballpark, there's nothing to worry about long-term as of right now about Ben Attendee. So I'd, be, I'd feel comfortable re-signing him at any moment uh, in this window as it starts to open up next year. And it's even cracked slightly this year. And that leads us into the next question about a guy who's not under very much control. And that's with Merrifield. When Merrifield is 32 years old, He's a free agent in 2023. He has great value, even as he tries to battle back from a slow start this season, as someone who is not emotionally tied uh, to Whit Merrifield, because I feel like it's unfair for me to ask myself or Royals fans to make a level-headed uh, judgment on Whit Merrifield. He's been a, a fan favorite and has been a Iron Man and has been a, a shining light in a pretty bleak couple of seasons here. What do you do if you're Dayton Moore? With Whit Merrifield, do you keep him? Do you sign him long term? Do you trade him? There are teams who would be desperate to have Whit Merrifield. What do you do with Whit? Yeah, I was really looking at the Royals to potentially trade Whit last year. Uh, I was pretty surprised that they wanted to hold on to him. I was also looking for the Royals to trade Salvi Perez. I was extended Salvi Perez. I liked it. You know, that's good. It's a good statement by that new ownership, like you said. I think you got to trade Whit Merrifield. I, I hate it, you know, because. I understand what he means to Kansas City as a guy that grew up as a small market fan, you know, with, with the Marlins and seeing a lot of my favorite players just ripped from me and traded away. It was it was tough. And I would say that what Merrifield played a great deal of games, though, and played a lot of seasons in Kansas City. But I think you're at this point, especially this season, they probably could have got a little bit more last year, but it's OK. He's starting to heat back up again and he's starting to look more like what Merrifield again. And he's already encroaching on 20, 20 stolen bases, which in today's game, you don't see this early in the season. He's swiping bags like crazy. He's still got that elite speed. He's showing that he makes contact as well as anybody in the league. And I think he's going to end up getting hot here. And before you know it, that OPS is over 800. You got to trade him. I think in a, in a game right now where he would be so valuable, you're going to have some crazy bidding wars because he can play all over. There's going to be, like you said, teams lining up for his services. I know it sucks. You could make the case that, you know, the, the Royals could potentially bring him back and, you know, hold on to him. And you say he kind of fits still your timeline if you're really trying to win in the two years. But I just don't think it makes sense for them. You can go trade 
use that money that you save to put towards a Benintendi who's 26, six years younger, that more so fits the timeline for the next five years plus. And you're going to get a nice return for what Merrifield. You are, he's, he's still pretty cheap for most teams. He's got some years of control, if I'm not mistaken. You're going to get a nice return for what Merrifield, and you're going to bolster that system even further. And that's assets, right? If the Royals start competing again in a year or two, you're going to have more assets to trade from. And at the end of the day, that's, that's all that matters. We saw the Padres do that, right? Of course, they spent money, but they also used a lot of those prospects that they had. Not their elite, elite guys, but they had so many solid prospects. They were able to trade from some really solid you know, guys that were still not, not in their top five and still get plenty of very good players. And if you can stockpile some prospects and still build for the future, in the short-term future, I think that's the perfect move. And unfortunately, it, I think it makes too much sense to trade Whit Merrifield. You know, Witt is a free agent in 2023. Does his value for you soar? Uh, looking around the American League right now and around baseball right now, the the contenders are not really head and shoulders above anybody in the sense of Tampa Bay looks incredible right now. They're only a couple games up on Chicago for the best record in the American League. Oakland, same record as Chicago. And then the wild card, just a complete and total mess. The Royals sit three and a half games out of a wild card spot. New York has been such underperformers. They lose four straight to Boston. They're two and a half out of the wild card. They need to make something happen. They need to make a push. They could be a very desperate team. The amount of desperate teams or teams who feel like they have a a better chance to win now than they thought they would have in March, those teams seem to be on the rise. Does that change for you the return Kansas City can get for what if he heats up heading into this deadline, which we all think that he will? I think so. I mean, you look at a lot of teams you mentioned. The Yankees are starved for offense. The Red Sox have a lot of offense going for them right now. And the Rays, like you said, they're loaded in the middle infield. But even Cleveland, if Cleveland remains competitive, do they go get a Whit Merrifield? He's cheap. He kind of fits the mold for them because he's controllable and cheap. I don't know if Cleveland does it, but you look at teams just across the AL and the NL, I think there's going to be just lining up, organizations lining up for a guy like Whit Merrifield. Oakland, he, see, he screams Oakland to me. That's, that's another team that could really use him. The Mets, I could really see the Mets going in and getting a wet Merrifield. They could use a guy like that that can play all over. Even the Brewers, they've been pleasantly surprising this year. They're, they're nine and one over the last 10 ball games. The Brewers could go get him. You can make the case for probably a dozen teams that could legitimately go get wet Merrifield because, like you said, he's controllable until 2023. And if you have the prospects, you want to go in and, and try to make a move right now, he seems like the perfect guy to go get. And there are going to be plenty of teams, I think, bidding on his services that are just going to drive that price up. He's going to be one of the, I think, hottest commodities on the market this year. And that's why I think the Royals really have to take advantage of it. Just in general terms, what would be the value that you put on him right now? Would it be a, a top 10 prospect or a top 100 prospect or a mix of the two? Or would it be something less than that? I, if I'm the Royals, I'm not trading Whit Merrifield unless I'm getting a top 100 prospect. I think that is an absolute must. I think if you're getting, let's consider it an, an average system, you should get a top 100 guy, and then you should get two other top 15 and, and a top 30 guy. I really think you're, you should get that much uh, in return for Whit Merrifield. And that's because he is steady as can be. The defensive versatility is so coveted, and the speed – he brings so much to the table from all accounts. He's a great guy, great clubhouse guy. 
you, you just can't really find a player that's more well-rounded than Whit Merrifield. You need to be getting a top 100 and then two other really quality prospects. I'd say top 15 and a top 30 in a deal uh, for Whit Merrifield without a doubt. And, and I think that's a return. If, if that offer comes along, that's just too good to pass on for the Royals. Uh, and, and you're still looking at the future. And I think that really helps them uh, looking ahead. I want to tell you right now, but our friends over at Fully Loaded. Fully Loaded is a fully loaded chew. Fully loaded chew is tobacco-free, long-cut purchases and pouches that give you the same pack, dip, spit, and buzz you'll be used to without tobacco. Available in nine flavors, fully loaded chew is made for all uh, grade ingredients and tobacco-free nicotine. Fully loaded chew is made with all food ingredients and tobacco-free nicotine, the purest form of nicotine available. It's the only moist nicotine pouch on the market. All other nicotine pouches are dry white pouches. Nothing dips, nothing spits, and packs uh, like fully loaded. Fully loaded chew is offering locked on Royals listeners a special offer right now. You can try a can for just $1. That's right, just $1. Go to fullyloadedchew.com. Use promo code locked on. For $1 in free shipping, if you use code LOCKDOWN at checkout, the next time you go for a dip, make it a full chew, uh, fully loaded chew, fullyloadedchew.com, promo code LOCKDOWN. Try it for $1, fullyloadedchew.com, LOCKDOWN, try it for $1. I want to say right now, but good friends over at Built Bar. Built Bar is a fantastic protein bar with nine delicious flavors. They're incredible. Coconut, coconut almond, cherry, raspberry, mint brownie, peanut butter, peanut butter brownie, double chocolate, salted caramel. There's something for everyone. My personal favorite is the peanut butter brownie option. If you don't have a flavor yet, a favorite flavor yet, try them all out at BuiltBar.com with the Mixed Box. The Mixed Box gives you two of every flavor. You can try all the flavors, and then you can see which one you love the most and reorder that flavor. And then, right now, just so you know, most flavors have 17 grams of protein, uh, 130 calories, only 4 grams sugar, only 4 grams net carbs. They're truly special and truly great for you and great tasting just like a candy bar. So try them out today. BuiltBar.com, promo code LOCK15. BuiltBar.com, promo code LOCK15. 15% off your next order. That's LOCK15, 15% off your next order at BuiltBar.com. Yeah, you know, I really like the Yankees as a landing spot if Kansas City does decide uh, to trade Witt. Obviously, a very touchy subject because of how much the fan base loves Witt. Uh, but Witt can do everything that the Yankees need. Positionally, he can play the outfield, which they need. He can play second base, which they need. And stability-wise, that lineup just kind of seems panicked. Like It doesn't seem like they're just terrible at hitters, but they seemed overwhelmed and panicked. And having that stability at the top of the order to settle the game down a bit in these first couple of innings could do the New York Yankees wonders uh, for their clubhouse, for their lineup, and, and just in general for that team. I'd be interested in how the Yankees would view that and what they'd give up uh, to improve the current team. Now, with the Royals themselves, they're 29 and 29. They're six and a half out of the division. They're three and a half out of the wild card. Uh, I think that they're on pace to do exactly what they want to do this year. They want to be interesting. They want to be fun. They want to be competitive. But at the end of the day, they want to finish about two or five games out of the wild card. And then next year in 2022, they want to make that push. They want to make that, that arrival back to the postseason. How do you view this current Royals team? That's the tough part, right? It's because, you know, if you're a few games out of the wild card around the deadline time, are you, are you still going to trade wet Merrifield? that's where it gets really, really difficult because you want to give it a shot, right? And when I look at the ball club, it, the big question is going to be the pitching, right? Can they, can they get the pitching to be consistent enough? Mike Miner is an okay back of the rotation guy. 
Danny Duffy has been spectacular this season, but he tends to fade in the second half of the season. And we have those question marks around a lot of those guys, those young guys that I don't know if you can count on them. So I think that they're going to fade a little bit just because of the inconsistency you're seeing from some of these young starters. But you could also, on the flip side of that, say, okay, well, their guys are starting to heat up at the plate. You know, Salvi Perez is starting to heat up at the plate. Whit Merrifield's heating up. Ben Attendee's on fire. They're going to get Kyle Isbell back. Jorge Soler can't be worse. So either you're going to go with somebody else or he's going to start to heat up a little bit. And again, they're 500 during all of this. It's an elite bullpen from everything I've seen. Uh, you may know better than me because sometimes the bullpen stats are misleading, but I think it's a fantastic bullpen. And again, if some of these young guys figure it out, all of a sudden your starting pitching is a lot better than you maybe thought it would be at this point in the season. They could make a push. I know I have a few friends that are, you know, covering baseball and, and the Royals were kind of like that popular sleeper pick. Don't forget Mondesi. You assume he's going to come back and be healthy. And then maybe you call up a guy or two. Uh, this, this team could be really interesting and make some noise. And then at that point, do you trade wit? I think it's going to be a really tough decision. Uh, but I, I think they can make some noise. I think they may ultimately fade a little bit just because the offense is going to be hard for that offense to keep up with other ball clubs. And the pitching is going to really have to come together. But I, I would say don't sleep on this team. They, they are very interesting and one of those popular underrated teams that I think they did a good job putting it together. And uh, you, you got to figure that they're going to be hanging around there for a good portion of the season. Uh, back to the Yankees thing. I, I think he's a perfect fit in New York. I'm sorry. I, I hate to say that. I think he is a perfect fit, like you said. And they need a leadoff hitter desperately. They need a guy that's not going to strike out a lot. He fits right in there as well. And you know what? The Yankees have some really good prospects too that I think could be a great fit in this system for the Royals and kind of fit the timeline as well, like a Luis Medina, among a few others, uh, maybe Clark Schmidt, Davey Garcia. There, there's a lot of interesting guys there that I, I think they'd be able to get one of them as long, along with a couple other decent prospects uh, coming over where that would really help them. So it's going to be interesting to see how they continue. But if they fade a little bit, you definitely ship Merrifield out of town. But I think they're, they're going to hang around for, for a little bit of time here. And that's why I think that this team is pacing exactly the way they want to, because you can make the argument, hey, you know what? So Lair's been atrocious. He's been a laughing stock. Witt is just now hitting his stride, being back to that elite level player we wanted him to be. But Attendee's been awesome. Dozier's been god awful until the last week of the season. Um, you know, these Modesty's played seven total games this year, and you're still a set, you're still a 500 team right now. That's three and a half out of the wild card. Your rotation started out just embarrassing and they've now leveled off to where they're still inconsistent, but they're as bad as they were the first couple of weekends. And so you can make that argument. You can make your argument and you can eventually end up about four and a half out of the wild card and, and a fun season. That was, that was interesting the entire way through and not a 100 loss, just slug of a season that was irrelevant after April. So the fact that they've cleared that first hurdle will now set them up greatly this off season to truly sell their fans and their team on 2022 being realistic. You could not go out here this year and be and be a 100-loss team or a 90-loss team or whatever and, and sell yourself on, yeah, we still believe in that window of 2022, which we've preached about for five years. They've allowed themselves now to truly go for that window next year, and that's got to be exciting for everyone involved that we're finally going to see expectations again next year, not the kind of hipster dark, uh, dark horse pick, but the actual expectation of good baseball is so much fun. Now, before we get you out of here, 
I want to get one national topic for me to kind of flex your muscles a bit on what to expect from JustBaseball.com, a national website that I cannot wait for. The sticky stuff. What's your take on the sticky on the sticky stuff? Who's at fault here? Where are we heading down the road? And is this just the beginning of what could be yet another scandal involving baseball? Yeah, I, I love that you asked that. So we actually had the uh, on Sundays we do basically just a deep dive into the touchy topics in baseball. And that's like the one day where we talk about more of that hard hitting stuff. And that's where I'll go on and talk to Jack McMullen, who's one of our guys that is the play-by-play voice for the Fort Wayne 10 caps. And we were talking about it. And look, I think when you look at the baseball landscape, there is an offensive issue, right? We're talking about guys that are not really being able to put the ball in play at the point where the idea of moving the mound back was being floated. But now we're finding out that there's some unfair advantages that pitchers are getting. To me, I think sticky stuff for a pitcher is just as advantageous, if not more, than steroids for a hitter. Because steroids, you still have to connect with the pitch, right? Helps you go, helps it go a little bit further. But when it comes to the sticky stuff, you're getting a rising action on your fastball because you're getting higher spin rate. You're getting sharper and later bite that really is just stuff that we've never seen. And I think Charlie Blackman really hit the nail on the head with this. And this is where it really goes to just the like biological aspect of it. All of these major league players are trained. Their eyes are trained to be able to pick up the spin of a baseball and basically predict where it's going to land, right? Like that's where it's going to be at the point of contact. That is what the human brain does. That's what makes it so impressive. That's why baseball, hitting a baseball is the hardest thing in the world. You see a pitch and you are able to predict where it's going to be at the time of contact. What's happening now is that we're seeing pitches do things that defy physics, essentially defy the physics that we know in the game of baseball. So your brain is telling you that the pitch is going to be in a certain spot and then it's not there because these pitches are spinning at rates that we've never really seen humans be able to spin baseballs. And you pair that with the Rapsodo and the spin rate revolution, which is fine. But now you're getting these spin rates that are being achieved that just are not normal and really inconceivable uh, without a sticky substance. And I think it's just an unfair advantage to the point that it's just ridiculous. So I think who's at fault? Major League Baseball. They kicked the can down the road. They knew this was happening and they let it get out of hand. And at the end of the day, uh, baseball has never been good at handling these types of things. I'm glad that they're finally taking action. But yeah, it's as, I think it's as big of a deal as it has been made out to be. And the good news is that we could be seeing a improvement when it comes to the offensive output thanks to the fact that these pitchers had an unfair advantage uh, for at least two, three, four years now. That's just gotten worse and worse because I think at first it was this more hidden thing, unless you're Michael Pineda, who was just putting it on his neck like a psycho. I don't know how he thought he was going to get away with that. But you also have guys that were kind of feeling it out. And they're like, wait, I got away with this. They're feeling it out more and more and more. And we're like, wait, I can get away with more. I can get away with more. And then all of a sudden you have Yadi Molina a couple of years ago, have that ball stick to his chest protector. Nobody does anything. And I think that was almost like where the floodgates open. They're like, all right, I can do whatever I want out there. And we're seeing pitchers dry up Coke and like cooking Coke, not that Coke, but like Coca-Cola and just making these concoctions. Like, come on, man. Like at that point, we're just getting way out of hand. And I'm glad baseball is finally cracking down on it, but it's also going to be a little bit of a slippery slope. We're talking about pace of play. You're going to check every inning to eight to 10 checks a game. They're going to have to figure out a way to streamline this and, uh, at least they're doing something about it finally. This has been an awesome chat. We have to do it again 
once JustBaseball.com officially launches and we get closer to the ever-important Major League Baseball draft, but let them know where they can find all of your great work. And again, thank you so much for joining us. Oh, it's always a blast talking to you, Rowan. And I definitely want to uh, circle back when we put out our top Royals prospect list. And of course, after the draft, I'll be happy to do that as well. Uh, but you can follow me at Layton 8 on Twitter. It's A-R-A-M-L-E-I-G-H-T-O-N and the number eight on Twitter. And go check out the JustBaseball.com landing page. Uh, it's coming soon. You can sign up for the newsletter there as well, which I'll be writing up about things like sticky, to- st- sticky topics and all of those things like what we're seeing across the baseball landscape right now. And uh, I think you might enjoy that as well. But always a great conversation with you, my man. And thank you for having me on. And I look forward to coming on again soon. Always a pleasure. Until the next episode, be good and be good to one another.